Hey guys, it's Jim with Crawfordology, sporting my new Threatwork shades. Hey, we got a great show for you today. We're going to talk about your constitutional rights, posse comitatus, virtual happy hour, and we got a special guest who's going to talk about FISA. He's going to talk about warrants, all those sorts of things. Nick Hobbs. Hey, listen, come back. But before we go, before you get started, if this is your first time here, You've got to go below. If you want conservative content, you've got to like us on Facebook, Instagram, and here on YouTube. It's really important. It's very hard to get the views because the algorithm pushes us away as conservative content. You can make that difference. Please click below. Come on back. Our Constitution proclaims that we're born with inalienable rights. You don't have to earn them. Your mere birth enjoins you with these rights. Life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness are among these. But every day we sacrifice freedom for a false sense of security. Uh, Benjamin Franklin said, any society that will give up a little liberty to gain a little security will deserve neither and lose both. So I, I ask you, as we look at things like the FISA warrant. Do we really want a central government with the power of FISA? Do you guys know what FISA is? Uh, are we exporting our ideas to the detriment of our citizens? Should we attract emulation through our own fantastic results? In other words, should our performance in the United States, our, our great democratic republic, should that be the only motivation that, that others from abroad need to look at to say, man, I want to be like that country? Or, you know, should we continue to do what we've been doing? Hey, we're going to unpack this and a whole bunch more on today's Crawfordology. So before we get started, I want to talk about our sponsor today, and I want to give you kind of full transparency. I have ownership in this company. It's called ThreatWorks. And there are some really fantastic things that the folks at ThreatWorks do. Now, I can tell you, I do none of it. I, I don't know how to, to do these things. The artists and the, the mechanics over there are really, really experts. All factory certified, factory trained in Cerakote, HydraDip. Um, just about anything that you would want to do to a firearm, the guys at ThreatWorks can do. Take a look at their website, www.threatworks.com. Threatworks, that's T-H-R-E-A-T-W-E-R-X.com, and see what they've see what they can do for you. Not only can they do the hydro dipping, things like this, uh, lots of patterns that come out. They just have a fantastic way of taking an old weapon and turning it new. You see a couple of AR-15 platforms here, and one is called Battlefield. Uh, worn battlefield or something something to that uh, nature, and then multicam. And they take such time in working this out that uh, it, they're, they're really little pieces of art once they're finished. So call the guys at ThreatWorks and see what they can do for you. Okay, so guys, you know, last week we talked about the virtual happy hour. So this is a virtual happy hour update. Um, it just happened yesterday. We actually had our, our company... Uh, virtual happy hour. And, and the goal was, you know, as everybody's working from home, they're more disconnected. People aren't having the interactions that they like. So this was an opportunity for us to have, uh, you know, video chat, 
talk about some things, really not not so much work related as as much as how you're feeling about this and and you know what's this doing to you? Are there any problems coming down the road? Um, so it was really fun to catch up with the employees, hear their stories, their takes on COVID nineteen. We we had a uh, a time that we went through everybody who was online, and they all got to guess when we're going back to work. So a lot of dates were given. We've recorded those. Nothing but bragging rights to win, but it's a it's it was a lot of fun. People seem to enjoy the gamesmanship of trying to figure out, you know, what day? Well, that's a Sunday. We can't do it on that day. So everybody had their calendars out. They're guessing. A lot of fun. I recommend you do this with your friends. You know, you can't get out if we're really sheltering in place, if we're really trying to keep this uh, COVID-19 from spreading through contact. You can't do that. But you can be at home tonight, get in front of your computer with whoever you're there sheltering in place with, have some friends on the other end, and and get together, right? Even if it's just for 15 minutes, just to give each other some support, to check in on the elderly, do it. You know, just take the time to do it. And I, I, I'm going to tell you, it's, it's rewarding because you have to slow down to do it. You have to take a minute and think about what, what do I want to accomplish here? And if, and if you really have no other goal than just to check on the well-being of your friends and family, I think it's a great thing to do. So I highly recommend it. Um, I hope you'll do it. Tell us, tell us about it. Once you do it, post a clip. Tell us if you've got some other really great ideas that you're doing to continue to socialize without being in the same building in the same same proximity. So, you know, there's a uh, y- you may have heard the word uh, the words posse comitatus. Uh, if you were an officer in the military or if you served as a, as a senior leader in the military, you certainly are going to be familiar with this term. It deals with the army uh, originally, and uh, want to tell you just a little bit about it. So signed into law by Rutherford B. Hayes in 1878. So interestingly, it was just for the Army. Uh, the history is, you know, goes back to Reconstruction, the Civil War, what was looked at as an occupational force there in the South. And, and in 1956, they updated Posse Comitatus to include the Air Force. So interestingly, though, it does not speak to the Department of the Navy and therefore the Marine Corps. Um, what it does is uh, it comes from the, you know, anybody who's watched an old Western seeing the sheriff in town get together a posse. So that's where it draws its authority. It's the authority of sheriffs to raise a posse to help keep the peace. And when, during the Civil War, the Army became sort of the martial law force of the South. They were the folks who made sure all those rules that were being uh put together in in Washington were actually enacted and carried out down in the South. So in the Reconstruction period, 1865 to 1877, um, there was a very close uh, presidential election there in 1877. People of the South were really tired of of having this this occupying force that they had to deal with. you can imagine you'd been pretty independent. In fact, up until this point, the states had a lot more independence. So now you have a federalized force here trying to manage and manipulate the goings-on that uh, you used to do at home and your governors and your local legislators would, would carry out. So they were tired of it. There was a problem with the election. There wasn't enough electoral votes to elect either candidate. 
and uh, a deal basically was made. Hey, let's uh, remove the troops in exchange for Rutherford B. Hayes being elected president. Um, big day for Hayes, right? Funny that he's the guy who signs this into law. Uh, and what it basically says is, hey, you can't use troops, you can't use the Army, now the Air Force too, to enforce the law except when the Constitution supports their use, like an insurrection, another civil war, something that would really be uh, a catastrophic event here in the U.S. where if troops were coming out to settle an insurrection. Um, so, you know, interesting when we when we see these things. I think at Crawfordology, we want you to understand when you hear these terms, uh, you've heard them most recently bantered around when uh, when folks were talking, uh, when, when the president was talking about bringing troops down to the southern border. We remember those human trains uh, that were, were coming up from South America even, tens of thousands of people flooding the border or, or threatening to flood the border. And the president said, well, I'm going to take the army down. And they said, hey, not so fast, posse comitatus. So he was able to bring the army down, and they can have all the other supporting functions. They can provide relief. They can provide medical support. They can do all sorts of things like that. They can even provide, I guess, a visual that, hey, there's soldiers there. We probably shouldn't enter there. But they just can't enforce the law. Now, that is why we have National Guard, and the National Guard can do that. They work under a completely different uh, set of rules. So a governor can call them into action, put them down there, and, and take care of things. Um, anyway, at Crawfordology, we want you guys to be informed. We want you to know what things mean. We want to hear what you think about it. Um, maybe you think it's fair. Maybe you think it's not. It's, it's weird that it comes from an 1877 political deal, uh, but it's, it's the law of the land nonetheless. So you know, we think about these freedoms and we think about what they mean to us and how we are influenced every day by our lawmakers when they create rules, they make things happen. Um, and FISA, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, uh, ha you know, has been around since 1978. <clears throat> the Foreign Intelligence Act brought it into existence. It, and the idea was, hey, we're going to use this court to oversee surveillance warrants against foreign spies inside the U.S. So we don't really need those outside the U.S., but inside the U.S., we're going to use these, these courts. And from 1978 to 2017, there have been 41,222 requests for FISA warrants. 41,222. It's amazing to even think there are that many spies in the U.S., for those, uh, you know, for that time period. But in that same time period, there have been 85 requests denied. So does the federal government or any government or any person or, or group of people, do they get it right that often? And, and I, have to, I have to ask a question, you know, I, you know let's, uh, let's take a look at... Uh, the video. Earlier this month, a Justice Department watchdog report revealed serious errors and omissions in the attorney's FISA request to monitor former Trump campaign aide Carter Page. The order, which was declassified Friday, was filed December 5th after the U.S. government informed the FISA court it had found errors. In the document, the presiding judge asked the Justice Department to outline steps it took to ensure the applications were accurate. 
The order also asks for information on all matters currently or previously before the court, including potential disciplinary actions involving the lawyer who altered the applications. So is FISA really only used against foreign operatives? We have to ask ourselves that question. Is there abuse? You know, what's the right balance? We saw in this last political cycle where FISA warrants were used to obtain information about a presidential candidate and then later to prosecute his, his allies. And interestingly, you know, I think there should be a limitation. And, and, and this is just about personal rights and how people, how people get information that I think. And, I, and, and look, when you're protecting your rights, they go both ways. So this isn't a Republican-Democrat thing. This should be an individual rights thing. We don't want a government that is taking power to the extreme so that they are able to simply do what they please until they find some place that you or your associates have crossed the line so that they can hold you over about a barrel um, and, and try to make you comply or do something they want you to do. Um, and they do do these things. I, I know uh, we're going to talk to Nick Hobbs later, and we're going to get his take on it, and I'm sure he's inside that system. He's going to have a different view than many of us, but I can say uh, I've talked to a number of, of FBI agents and folks who've retired from the FBI, and, and they freely admit that sometimes there are prosecute not prosecutors, investigators who dig a little too hard to make something show up to, to demonstrate, hey, I've got a hunch, I believe this is true, and it's human nature in some ways that we are going to lean on our own understanding, our own belief, even if it's not right or even if it's not constitutional. So do we really want the government having the power to say, yeah, we got to check out Jim or we got to check out Simon and we're going to use FISA courts to do it? And when we look at the FISA courts, yeah, we didn't find anything with Simon, but we kept digging until we found Simon's friend. Uh, you know, it looks like there's something there. So what bugs me about this is when we see the president and, and the Russian collusion hoax or the Russian collusion discussion, everybody who was indicted out of that, not one of them were indicted for the reason they were investigated. So I think there should be some rulings with FISA that you can't prosecute on items that don't relate to FISA. You have to go back and do those the right way. Otherwise, you know, I would bet that almost every one of us, if someone wanted to take the time to dig through the law books, whether it be you rode your elephant down the street on a Wednesday or you were at work on a Sunday, there's some place, there's some archaic law, there's some place where the law doesn't agree with itself, it conflicts, and if you do one thing, you're, you're right, if you do another thing, you're wrong. But in many cases, both answers are wrong. So what I'm saying is they could make a criminal out of anyone if they really had the interest to do it and the time and, and energy to, to do this. And that usually happens when you're a high-profile individual. So if you are someone who somebody can make a career on, you're, you're a, a person in the community. Uh, we see this sometimes happen with pastors, with, uh, with personalities, both TV, movie. Um, we see it happen with uh, folks, you know, in a lot of different ways. And I'm not saying they're not guilty, but they should have to follow the traditional system to, to get a conviction, not, not some FISA court where they're just pulling down everything. 
FISA is really designed to go after those spies, those threats to the United States that are coming from foreign nations inside the country. So I, I just ask you, and I'd love to hear in your in the comments, uh, you know, what do you think about that? Is do you agree? Do you think it's it, we should get it however we can, or you know, are you willing to give up those freedoms yourself? It FISA is not supposed to be used against U.S. citizens. Um, so a couple of things that I'll mention just as I close out this point. Um, Julian Sanchez of the Cato Institute, one of his big concerns with FISA courts, FISA judges are appointed by the Supreme Court Chief Justice. So that means whoever sits in that, that seat of power in the Supreme Court has the ability to put people who think like them in that, in that position. Is there a danger that you could have someone who's a little... Uh, looser with the rules, a little, a little less stringent with making sure everything's done carefully, and those folks work with impunity. There's, the, the, you know, the chief justice appoints them. There's absolutely no confirmation process. There's no Senate approval. There's no Congress that's that's got oversight to this. So, you know, think about it. I, look, I, I don't. I'm a big supporter of our country. I think we are the best country in the world. I think we try to do things right always we don't always hit the mark sometimes we make mistakes and it's easy back to the benjamin franklin quote when you are worried about your safety to give up a little bit of that uh, security a little bit of that independence and and to give up your own freedoms even to say keep me safe but at the end you lose both your safety and your freedoms so say what you will last point here with FISA, you know, remember it was James Comey acting as the U.S. attorney who prosecuted Martha Stewart, right? Now, did Martha really need to go to jail for what she did? Or did Martha go to jail so that James Comey could elevate his reputation, that he could bring himself into the spotlight? I, I don't know the answer to this. I mean, I guess you could say everybody who breaks the law should be punished. But how many other people did the same thing Martha Stewart did and got a pass? So just ask yourself, are you willing to give up your rights for FISA? Are you willing to give up your rights and, and allow a little bit of security, or at least the belief that you're secure, to be the thing that, uh, that causes you to give up freedoms that were hard fought and, and, and won? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Can you, Crawfordologist, handle the truth. I think you can. Today we're joined by attorney Nick Hobbs. He's a former prosecutor, a lifelong resident of Virginia. He's litigated cases in the state and federal court. He's extremely familiar with the burden of proof that prosecutors must overcome to win convictions. Uh, Nick's a founding partner of the law firm Hobbs and Harrison. We were talking a little bit off camera and I, I, I really, before we get into any of the legal stuff, we had a conversation you were kind of sharing a little bit about your dad and the fact that he was very community active and uh, community oriented on lots of boards, on lots of volunteer organizations, uh, town council, lots of lots of different spots and and things uh, that you remember as as uh, part of your childhood. Yeah, and, and and I guess now you know I still he he still does these things, and and he set an example for me. I think on you know, how to be involved in your community, where you need to be at, you know, if, if your kids are going to be involved in something, don't just go and watch, be involved. 
Um, and, and, you know, so I started to follow that kind of rolling and I realized how much time all this stuff takes. I mean, you got, you got regular work and then you've got, uh, you know, you got to put this fire out over here and then people are asking you for, uh, for answers to a problem over here. And so it's just, um, I think the older I get, the more I appreciate a lot of what, you know, and, um, what my father did or, or had, or still doing. Uh, and, and I think it just goes back to, you know, just with a little bit of age, you start realizing uh, how many sacrifices maybe the, the generation before you might have made. And, and then and, and it's hard to appreciate it at the time, especially when you're a child, you know. Uh, but as you get older, I think uh, now you start appreciating it because because you're going, I can't keep up with this. Yeah. <laughs> how, did, yeah. how did he do this? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it, it's interesting to uh, to see community involvement. And I think. Your your dad's generation had even that that you know what what I think we call the greatest generation is an example, and those are folks who made huge sacrifices in their in their youth and continued to be very active in community organizations and set those examples for for our parents and yeah and I, and it's you know it, it's just the passage of time you know of course you know that the greatest generation isn't isn't going to be around you know forever. You know, we're starting to see that decline now, but it's, uh, it, I just hope or, or I would, would help, you know, the, the younger generation kind of appreciate what was done before and as it passes down, you know, the, the impact each generation can have on the next one. And I know, you know, when you start thinking about it or, or when, you, when you look at what they did, I mean, how quickly that the greatest generation had to grow up. I, I mean, like had to start making, a, you know, very difficult, tough decisions at a very young age. Um, and, and, and sort of went through fire, uh, and, and, and came out and won, you know, and, and, and did amazing things, which I think that's why they fittingly earned that greatest generation, uh, badge that they sort of get now. But, uh, yeah, to, to, to go through, you know, a lot of those, a lot of those guys grew up during the depression, uh, where food right. <laughs> you know, was not there, uh, and, and, and they had to pull together. And then they had to go off and fight, you know, a war. I mean, and it, it was, and, and you know, not having been alive during that time, um, you know, I'm, I, I don't know if we can appreciate just how tough that was. I mean, we try to, we try to um, take uh, examples from modern day life and say, I, I mean, I do that even with with the Vietnam War, you know, because that wasn't my generation. Uh, but uh, you know, sometimes I think, man, if I was 18 and I was told I'm going over, you know, to fight in this jungle, yeah, <laughs> you know, what? Hey, wait a minute, yeah. Yeah, right. You know, and I, and I get for 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 the greatest generation, that's like, hey, we're, we we got to go fight, you know, Hitler. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, we yeah. got to we got to take care of of this threat over here, and, and Japan just bombed us, and so you know, and and I can see where they had their struggles, and then that, and, and then the generation before mine, where it was, where we're fighting communism, but we're fighting communism, you know, over here, and then you know, just the you know, they had a difficult you know dilemma they were put in as well, and so trying to appreciate, I guess, the the generation that came before you. The sacrifices they made, um, you, you know, the the decisions that they were forced to make at young ages, and then you know, for my generation, uh, you know, I, we didn't really have a tremendous you know conflict overseas that we had to go take care of. Um, not not in the sense of say Vietnam or or World War II, right? Uh, but at the very least, it's just sort of appreciation of what was done before, and then try to learn lessons from that. And I think that's where you know you kind of want to make sure the generation behind you. I look at it as not a, you know, suck up to the generation before, you know, I gave you everything and you're, you're disrespectful. We tend to fall back on that, but, uh, but no, it's just more of like, learn those lessons 
you know, that, that that generation had to go through because you got you got kids that are coming up and they're going to be learning from you. And so, you know, if, if we can appreciate that some, I think that's sort of where we were. Oh, yeah. We're talking a little yeah. bit about that. Yeah. You, you know, you so earlier and, and again, you, you mentioned the food thing and, yeah. uh, you know, doing doing potluck dinners where and I remember that, too, is is I spent a lot of time with both my grandparents from from both sets of grandparents from both parents. And um, and I found that uh, every time I was going to my dad's dad, who was really active in church and community, we would bounce on Sundays from church to church, and there would always be a church that was having like a, a potluck, uh, or some sort of potluck, or a yeah. chili social, yeah. and it was great because right. as kids, you would get to interact with like a hundred other kids that you've never seen before, and mm-hmm. there was this opportunity that, hey, we're going to run around outside, and and it was a couple hours, and then it was back to back to the farm, right? Yeah, and well, I remember going to you know the various potluck dinner events that we would have. It usually would be my grandfather involved. Uh, and then we would go, and I was just, oh, gosh, I want another potluck. You know, it's like, there's going to be three different kinds of chicken, you know, and it, it, the Kentucky Fried Chicken's going to go first, and then I'm going to be stuck with the food yeah, lion or yeah, whatever, yeah. you know. And But but to them, I mean, that was that was sort of how they survived, you yeah. know, was was pulling resources together and, and um, you know, making sure that the community that they lived in had enough to eat. As a kid, you're not thinking about that. You're just thinking about, oh, gosh, you know, another potluck. I was like, why can't we all just eat before we come to this yeah, thing? Right, right. <laughs> you know, and we then can all go to our own half hour, right? Yeah, right. Were... You know, and then now I'm starting to appreciate it a little bit more, saying, all right, well, that was what their struggle, that's part of what made them who they were when they were growing up. Yeah. You know, and, and maybe why they they had this toughness, I guess, um, yeah. or, or grit, if you want to call it that, but still, you know, had this compassion underneath that that you didn't quite always see. But it was there because that's what they were. It was like, no, we have to do it. This, you know, it's like because yeah. this family might might not have. They might only be able to bring green beans, you know. And so we're going to bring, you know, the extra chicken, right? right? Yeah. yeah, something so that everybody gets gets something. You know? Yeah, you, you know, it's really an interesting point too, and just how our societies have have evolved or or maybe devolved. Yeah, because if you think about it, the the churches and and these community centers. I mean, even even things like the American Legion, the VFW. Yeah. Those are struggling around the country, and I, and I don't. There's a little bit of a resurgence now with with guys coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan, mm-hmm. but but they're different, right? They're they're not as social as those guys who came back from World War II and Korea and yeah. really wanted to be a participant and, and and maybe help each other, yeah, sort of because because there's someone that went through what I went through, and then now you've and, and I run into that because you know often I represent someone who's who's coming back. And is dealing with with PTSD. Yes, right. you know, and um, it, it, and it and it the way it affects them because it doesn't affect everybody the same way, and so um, trying to recognize that 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 I've got a vet in front of me who had issues, and that's why he's driving erratic right now is because he's going and it, and it's, he doesn't want to talk about it, right? Because he doesn't really have maybe the same kind of American Legion support where he could go down and talk to thirty other guys, yeah. you know, because there was always someone at the Legion Hall, you know, there's always a group there. And so, you know, recognizing that from what I do and then trying to say, okay, this guy's different from other clients. How do I get the judge to understand that? You know, what do yeah. what do we need to do? You know, yeah. how and and then trying to get the VA involved, you know, to get, you know, maybe some sort of um, you know, psychological report. And then have it have the client willing to say, Yeah, I've I've got this help me out. You know, I, I, I do remember a client that had three different just episodes while he's driving and, and he gets hit with reckless driving each time, you know, class yeah. one misdemeanors. Yeah. 
but you know, luckily too, if you have the right judges, and, and in and in those cases, I was able to to get the right judges. You know, sometimes you know, I think that's an older generation that can see this isn't a guy just doing ninety miles per hour down the road because he could care less. Right. You know, this is a guy that's that's going through some things, and let's let's see if we can get him the help he needs, but then not penalize him the same we would do someone else because this is a different situation. Right. Right. No, for sure. So one of our businesses is defense oriented. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had lots of guys come back with PTSD. And what we've tried to do is match them up with guys from, you know, previous engagements, the older guys, the more experienced guys. Yeah. Um, and we've got lots of guys who are from that special operations community. So, you know, even though we maybe didn't have wars for them, we had lots of conflict, lots of things okay. that they were yeah, doing. Right. So similar, yeah, sure. similar issues yeah. that they've dealt with. And, yeah. it's, and it's really good when we can team those guys up and, and there's just some compassionate coaching and mentoring that, that mm-hmm. goes on, but also the ability to kind of, you know, grab them by the neck and, and kind of bring them back to reality. Well, see, and that's an outlet, too, that social media can try to replicate, but it doesn't really no, replicate. No. Yeah, you can't, you, you can, you know, text back and forth or Instagram or, or you know, leave, you know, Facebook messaging back and forth, but it... It's nowhere near the same as having someone who's in a room that can look, that can put his arm on you and say, "Hey, you know, yeah. this is yeah, you're, you're going. It's okay to go through what you're going through, you know, something like that." Get, so, get all those senses right at the sensory perceptions yeah. that we have beyond just a text or just the words, right? Yeah, body language and oh, and that's the thing too with texting that I, that I, that I don't care for too much is that you know if you don't want to respond immediately they don't know what you're doing so you just put it down for a second maybe think about right. we'll come back later you know and so that's not when one-on-one contact is immediate you know it's it's gauging each other reading each other and uh either yeah. sharing something or 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 sometimes just saying hey you know no you're being you're being dumb right now you know yeah. and, 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 and you got to make that you know quick decision you know, gauged yeah, we, on where, where you're at we sort of have to evolve our texting skills right because yeah. i i personally i've done it i've seen it many times that uh, communication is not so clear or great when it's coming through text and uh you know people don't hear that voice inflection yeah the inflection's to, gone <laughs> right. that a, yeah was yeah. that a joke or oh, an insult it's the same if i read transcripts sometimes too i can go right oh that's terrible yeah you know right yeah. what is what is this that's heartless and then and, yeah. but it was said with you know compassion yeah right 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 <laughs> so yeah it's it's hard to do and that that's that's something that gets lost I think, and, and and hopefully, you know, again, going generation, again, I'm I'm hoping, you know, the younger generation, that's sort of what they're, you know, it's always funny. It's like, this, I can't believe this guy still uses his phone for a phone, you yeah. know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, right. But right. but you know, um, and, and that's not to dump on 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 every generation. I mean, I think I think you know, there's always issues that the older generation will look back on the younger. Oh, you know, you got it made, or you got this, or if you had only known how to do this this way, you know, it'd be easier. But um, but that's where the learning comes sort of downward up sometimes too yeah you know yeah no that's that's really true and when you when you think about um how different people are going to react to these stressful situations whether it be ptsd yeah or whether it be some emotional trauma that's happened outside of the military just yeah just in general right right i got i got something that i'm dealing with it's it's good and and i and i wish and I, i really hope we get back to having more of that community involvement because I think in the last 40 years, we've seen more of that shift to the government where mm-hmm. people are more dependent on the government. Well, where they things. sort of think that it's the government's position. Right. You know, it's, it's the government's responsibility to step in and do this. Right. You know, and that's, that's can be scary, you know, uh, yeah. and, 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 you know, and I try to understand point of view from each 
uh, person, you know, where, where it's like, well, I need the government to do this for me. Well, in some cases, yeah, that, that could be true. And there, there are decent, you know, situations where a program might help someone. But, it, but when it becomes completely dependent, when that's all you're, you're that, that's the only thing you look to. Oh, yeah. That's, 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 where, that's where you see, again, being appreciative of generations before, <laughs> the greatest generation we talked about went over to fight that complete give everything over to the government to run everything. That's right. You know, and, and that's, uh, it's again, just being, a, I, I guess, try to be aware you know, of, of, of what you're facing in your moment in time, uh, and, and do the best you can as far as, uh, it, you know, community involvement is big because it's, again, that's going back to, we can do it to get you and I and, and whoever else can come together and we can try to tackle this problem. Or we could just say, you know, it's, I've got a problem and I think, um, you know, I pay taxes and so why isn't the government fixing my problem? You know, and sometimes yeah. it, the answer is probably somewhere in the middle. You know, like we do it together, we we might need some assistance from, uh, from a government, you know, type to to help pay the way, but 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 you can't be completely reliant. Yeah, you know? yeah. You know, so the thing that I I think about when I look at like Newport News, mm-hmm. um, in the early '90s when when we moved to Virginia, uh, down Warwick Boulevard and Newport News, there mm-hmm. were high rises everywhere. Yeah, it yeah. was a it was a booming, yeah, you know, little. Uh, commercial area there were lots of of small businesses that filled those storefronts there were there was a lot of activity and and as those support structures that help people so i think about the those those church nights or those those community groups where people are together and they say hey man you lost your job but i just heard about this job at such and such a place and i know a guy i can help you get Mm -hmm. over there so you lack that connectivity right that has helped so many people before us and you become really just the next case to you know the bureaucracy that gets assigned a case and says hey here's case number 235 right oh i don't know anything about this person so all i can do is make an assessment based on what i'm reading yeah and decide uh send them a check or send them some support but that's not really it's it it fills a gap but it doesn't really meet the need right, right. and it doesn't do it in the in the same sort of uh it, it's more of a sterile yeah you know kind of um yeah. machinery almost yeah. uh type of way of doing that and, and 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 don't get me wrong sometimes it's needed you know if someone doesn't know somebody doesn't right doesn't uh new to an area sometimes that can help but at the same time you know there's 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 a lot I think more care or compassion done in in the scenario that that you're talking about, where it's just you know you happen to be at a church function or you happen to be at a, um, you, you know whatever social right you know thing that you're involved in, and then it's like oh hey you know Joe over here he's new to the area but you know he used to work in you know he's a farmer you right know, whatever oh hey you know there's uh you know Isle White has something I was just talking to a friend of mine over there you know yeah I think that honestly that sets a lot of people up for more success yeah right <laughs> to be honest right. Uh, but because you're going in maybe with a word of mouth kind of thing, like, Hey, this guy will be good for you, you know? And, and then you can build from there. I mean, how many, how many times do you hear about that, that connection that someone made on the golf course or, oh, yeah. or something where it just, you uh, know, launched their, their we, career the way we used to always hear, you know, it's not, it's not what, you know, it's who, you know, right, and, yeah. and there's some truth to that because it's just what can, who can open a door for me to get an opportunity and, um, to show what I can do, right, yeah. right. It's it's not just a a, a right. way to get in and and be. And, you know, well, that's so and so's person. So yeah, yeah, he gets, he's untouchable. Don't right. Don't, yeah, no, don't. no, no. I think a lot more, and I think a, a lot more people need to need to realize a lot of that is 
that saying, uh, to me anyway, it's not what you know, it's who you know, is more of getting your foot into a door or, or to show what you can do, yeah. you know, um, to, to demonstrate, hey, I have these abilities, but, you know, I, I was able to make this connection because I was on the golf course with this guy, yeah. you know, or, or his, his nephew's, you know, brother knows you know, right. so-and-so. And then that, that got you in there. But I mean, if you're incompetent. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah. You know? But, but right. that's, but that's also where those relationships that become a little closer right. and tighter because somebody can then pull you aside and say, Hey Jim, man, your, your, your singing skills are probably not where your next right. opportunity is. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's easier to hear. Right. Right. Yeah, right. Bit. Right. Yeah. With, a, with yeah. a friend and go, well, you know, I thought I sounded good uh, in the shower, maybe, but maybe I don't. Yeah. Maybe I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. yeah maybe, right. maybe Jim, yeah. you're tone, tone deaf, you know, uh, 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 <laughs> okay. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure it could yeah. be. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, it's nice to have that community involvement and, and knowing that your father's done that, you know, your grandparents before, um, did did this lead you well let me just ask what led you to the law well <laughs> i don't know if i was sort of destined to fall into it but it wasn't something that i, I kind of pre-planned um uh you know i i'd gone to college uh i was as a history major you know i was i was very much into history thanks to my grandfather because uh, my grandfather taught, i mean especially growing up in this area we used to have sundays where he would he and i would just go to he he was uh, retired from NASA. Okay. Uh, and so sometimes he would take me on to NASA and we would, we would look at, you know, um, he was involved in it with Mercury and with, uh, um, uh, with a few of the other, um, projects that came along. I think he was really involved with, with, uh, was it, was it Viking or, or, or one of the other, not, not the big ones, you know, Apollo, yeah, yeah, Mercury, yeah, right. everybody, you know, Jim and I, everybody remembers this, but he had a lot more to do with some of the other ones too. And so, uh, you know, he just took me to the library there or we would, we would go somewhere there. And then, you know, maybe the next week we would go to the battlefield at Yorktown. Yeah. You know, and he took, so he got this interest in history. And then I graduated and realized, what am I going to do with, <laughs> with the history degree? You know? And so I kind of said, well, I'll take the LSAT, you know? And, uh, you know, that's a, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm a fairly good reader and, you know, and, and, I, and I interact with people pretty well normally. So I figured, you know, I'll take the LSAT and I'll see. And I like logic. Yeah. And that's and the LSAT's primarily logic games yeah. uh, and some reading comprehension. Um, it's not math. So that was like right up my alley. <laughs> you know, so, so I did that. And I scored, you know, well enough. And I was like, all right, well, I can get into law school. I was like, well, I'll go to this law school. I'll see, you know, see if you make – that's the first year. You know, it's, it's sort of a – you know, see if you can get through the first year kind of thing. And then it was third year, and then it was like, well, let me see if I can pass the bar. And then it was like, all right, well, I passed the bar. So, <laughs> so I, I guess job. I can do it, right? Yeah, yeah. so, right. you know, uh, and, and then I found myself really wanting to to be in a courtroom, you know, as and that's part of growing up, too, is like finding out what you what you really like doing. Uh, and, and I really like being in a courtroom as opposed to reading and, um, and, and then sort of writing out, you know, a, uh, you know, sort of a, well, you should do this or this contract, you know, provision says this. I mean, I, I, you have to be able to do that to get, you know, through the bar exam uh, to some extent. But but the practice part to me was was courtroom work. And so I really sort of enjoyed being in a courtroom. And uh, and and the thing about a, a, a trial attorney versus maybe a, a wills and trust attorney or someone is normally you have to be able to make a really quick decision mm. real fast mm -hmm. uh, or, and, and listen to what the other side's doing, you know, because if the other side makes a mistake, not only do you have to be able to jump up on it or have to know not to say anything at all and then rechange your whole strategy because they just made a big mistake. They didn't put something in the evidence. And right. the last thing you want to do is now open a right, door right. and bring that back in. 
And so it's it's trying to realize that they just made some mistake. Don't say anything. Don't put on anything at this yeah. point because now you're going to win because the law says you're going to win. And, and trying to recognize that. And that's not something, too, that you just, God knows, trying to walk in from law school. Yeah, right. <laughs> and and right. trying to do. Uh, yeah. So, it, I mean, and that's why it's a practice. Yeah. Like yeah. And in, in, in the military world, we talk about the art and the science. So the science is the is is the doctrine that you can read and kind yeah, of understand. Yeah, you can kind of say, yeah. The yeah. application, though, is the art. How can I do this in a way? Right. And it sounds very similar with yeah. The, yeah. the law. You can learn the... You can learn the, the all the Anybody statutes. Can read that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's but, available online for free. But yeah. now, how do I flex this and and put it together as a as a flesh really, it out? Yeah. And then make it fit to whatever my client yeah. needs are. And then also in in a in a trial setting is okay. What are they trying? You know, like you, you can anticipate you know what they're going to try to do and how they're going to try to do it. Uh, but then when you have a live witness on a stand. Sometimes you don't know what the witness is going to say. Um, some, and sometimes, I mean, you prep and prep and prep, you know, and you expect this is what this is what he said in the grand jury. This is what he said when he was interviewed by the FBI. All right. So this is what he's probably going to say. And then he gets on the stand and he says something completely different. And then you got lawyers passing <laughs> stuff back, you know, on the other side, say, all right, let's make sure, you know, and then that's and then then there's a way of doing that, too. You know, not to, I know, we might be getting a little off nope. topic, but when, uh, but then when it's your turn to cross a witness that that you caught lying, how you you don't just, I mean, I might want to jump up and just say you were lying, you just lied in the grand, then you just said this, but you know, but then there's a little bit of you got to walk him back in. So let me see, let me just make sure you said this this way, right? This is this is how it happened, right? And this is what you're saying happened, and one, two, and three, and and we all agree that this is what you said. Okay, and then you bring up, yeah, you know, and then you walk him back, and then it's just a complete, and then that's when you watch a witness. The Perry Mason moment. Yeah, right. right you know, right. And, they, and it's funny. You know, I hadn't I always say, "Oh, you never see those," but it's, it's every now and then you see those. <laughs> right. <laughs> it, it can't have. It's not the surprise witness. Right. It's that the guy completely falls apart. You know, and 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 you catch him, and that comes from preparation, and it also comes from a good lawyer doing something, and 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 watching good lawyers ahead. Of, again, going back to that generation thing, watching a lawyer that's that's really good that's been around for a while do that, and then how that how you can take that and learn from that lawyer and then put that into your practice. And it all just comes from practice, mm. you know, same mm. thing we were talking about that, the art of, yeah. Yeah. you know, and it's not something that you can just get immediately. So, so you get out of law school, you pass the bar and at some point maybe you practice for a while, but mm -hmm. you decide you're, you're pulled towards the Commonwealth's attorney yeah. office and and in and we're here in Virginia so it's the Commonwealth's attorney to the rest Instead of the country district. it's it, right district attorney your prosecutor so uh tell us how that went well that was uh again that was where I, I noticed you know I really like being in a courtroom and and prosecutors are in the courtroom all the time you know all the time especially in, in our area you know it's um it's not a um a rural area where there's only one or two prosecutors and they only have you know certain courts on certain days uh, in Newport News, they had it every single, you know, there's kind of, we got teams, right? you know, and so, you know, you're, you're constantly in court. And that's what, I, that's what attracted me to it was being in a courtroom. Uh, and then from that, that's when, you know, you get a stack of files, <laughs> you know, and you're like, all right, you know, this is your Tuesday. Yeah. So, you know, get through it. And, uh, and, and that's what got me into the Commonwealth Attorney's Office was sort of that want uh, to, to develop. You know, um, and and you know, and going through it, you know, you you make relationships with people as as in any other job, I'm sure. Uh, the law is kind of interesting because because you're making relationships not only with other prosecutors, you know, judges are are now you're starting to develop a reputation among judges whether or not you know you're you're prepared, unprepared, um, 
you know, can kind of keep up there. I mean, there's always a learning curve too. Right, right, right. But then, you know, you also develop relationships with defense counsel, you know, and you start learning who, who to look out for and, and who's, who's an honest person that's, you know, just trying to do the best. Because that's, that's the whole, our system of law uh, or justice is based upon zealous advocation, right? Yeah. You know, so it's like I'm an advocate when I'm in the Commonwealth Attorney's Office for, for the Commonwealth of Virginia. You know, if I'm in a United States Attorney's Office, I'm, I'm the advocate for the United States, mm-hmm. you know, because the law has been committed and I have to go in it, you know, that way. I'm representing the people. You know, because this person is alleged to have committed a crime, and right. I'm I'm trying to establish that. I'm trying to do it as the way the rules say, with with my advocate or or my zealous advocacy on behalf of the people. While I'm a defense attorney, it's the same advocacy, the same zealous you know representation is still there. It's just now it's for this individual, you know. And and I always say, you know, it's if you weren't there, you don't know what that individual did. You know, right. if he says I didn't do it, then that guy didn't do it, you know? And so you got to go in and, and, and fight for him. And it, and it's honestly, it protects our system. Sure. You know, because I think that's why it's one of the greatest is because no matter where you fall on the scale of, you know, right or wrong, um, you know, you, you wouldn't want to be completely innocent of a crime, go in and tell your lawyer, Hey, I didn't do it. And then have your lawyer say, oh, come on, we all know you did it. You know, come on, I'm going to give you the best I can here, but we know you did it, you know. Because what if the guy didn't really do it, even though all this evidence says that he did? Right. You know, um, the last person on earth that you want not believing you is your attorney. I don't care if your wife doesn't believe you. I don't care if your father doesn't believe you. If your attorney doesn't believe you, you're in trouble. You need a new one. Yeah, right, (laughs) right, right. right. And and so, so, you know, defense attorneys will will come in and and, and you start, you know, you you realize who's like this. That guy's fighting for his client. He's not a jerk. You know, yeah. he's he's coming in because he's now now. Do you yeah. do you want to make the news here today and name names? But, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I'm just right. throwing everybody. Here, here, out. Here's yeah. the good ones. Yeah. Here's the yeah. bad. Don't call right. that Don't guy. Don't call this right. guy. Right, right, yeah. yeah. Right. Right. What what we do know is is people can call Hobbs and Harrison. Sure. If, if they're on the uh, yeah. East Coast here in in Virginia, uh-huh. there's a there's an advocate they can they can go to. Right. Right. So. So, so tell me, you know, we watch a lot of TV. I mean, my gosh, outside of doctors, I think lawyers are probably the most the other, uh, yeah, TV show, right? right? You yeah. get you guys make TV shows left and right. I don't know how you guys get work done, but there's apparently a group of out of work attorneys and doctors who are doing nothing but making, you know, shows. Yeah, well, I think I think some of them might be a little, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, maybe a little, yeah. little, maybe not really lawyers and doctors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of them. I mean, it's it's funny when there's little things that you can notice sometimes too when you're watching a show and you're like, oh yeah, that happens all the time, you yeah. know. And then you go, that never happens. Yeah, yeah. right, yeah. right, yeah. And and we can probably think about a, a bazillion of those things that yeah. pop up. Those little small things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So so, but one of the things I see a lot is. You know, burden of proof gets talked about, right. and and uh, gosh, what was that? Uh, there was that detective series on forever. You know, that had the cool drum, dramatic music. Anytime they'd make a point, boom. Oh, was it know? Law and Order? Law or and Order, right? Yeah, law and right, Order. Yeah, so I was yeah. always like, wow. Yeah. You know, I wonder if that happens to the detectives. They're out, and all of a sudden they hear that. They have that. Oh, right. Yeah, that's oh, right. Oh, we're on the right track. Now we know. Wouldn't it be right. cool if it was yeah. like that? You yeah. Know, it there would, was like and, a, it, and it could get wrapped up in an hour. <laughs> yeah. Sound. <laughs> that would right. Be awesome. Right. 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 There's no continuance. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when, um, when we see people go in and there's a lot of talk and, and we talked earlier in the show today about, um, uh, some, some, some other types of, of legal constraints and, and the FISA warrants and, mm-hmm. and posse comitatus. So tell, tell us, um, how does a warrant really work? How's it supposed to work? How's it work? Okay. Well, and, and there's, there's several types, you know, and it, it does depend too, is, you know, is it a state warrant? Is it a federal warrant? Um, you know, typically in the state system in Virginia where we're at, 
Um, and, and for the most part, most warrants are, are, are kind of geared towards this. Sometimes there's different different angles because, you know, if you're going for a federal warrant, you got to go see either a magistrate judge or, or a federal judge. And so that's a different system. Um, if, if you're, you know, if I'm investigating, say, a murder that happened, you know, in Hampton last week, um, you know, I'm going to I'm going to go out as a detective and I'm going to, you know, do do detective work. Yeah, you know, right. I'm going to detect. Right, right, right. Yeah, you know. And then when I say, you know what, I think I've got enough now. And so what they're looking for is probable cause. All right? sure. And that's it. And probable cause is a very low standard. Okay, it's not the lowest standard, um, uh, but probable cause is a low standard. It's a low threshold to meet. And what they've got to do is typically they'll go to a magistrate. Now, in Virginia, a magistrate, oddly enough, is not a judge. Um, it's, a, it's sort of a judicial type of figure. Um, and, and when I first started practicing, the only requirement was a high school degree. Uh, you know, they've, they've actually made a, a little bit more um, requirements now for magistrates. But, but they're not lawyers, right? No, they don't no, have no. to be lawyers. Well, they don't have to be. Um, I, I'm, I have a friend of mine who's a lawyer now who was a magistrate at one point. Um, and, uh, and he was a very good prosecutor, and, and he's moved on from the prosecutor's office. But, you know, he had a very good sense of things um, as far as, like, how the law applies. And, and having been in the magistrate's office, I think he saw a lot. Uh, you know, he just brings a different, you know, as we all do, different experience mm-hmm. background. Uh, but, no, if I'm a detective, I'm going to a magistrate who's just supposed to be a neutral person, right? And, mm-hmm. and he's just supposed to determine whether or not there's probable cause. And so probable cause is... Yeah, it probably happened that way. And so the magistrate can make that. But then for, you know, a different scenario, you know, a, a murder case, uh, and there are crimes that are in the Virginia Code that are, you know, there's what we call a presumption against bond. And so obviously okay. homicide's yeah, definitely yeah, one right. of those. Yeah, we're probably yeah. not going to let, uh, you know, Billy Bob out. Right, um, as because he's suspected of murder. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. You right. know, I mean, there's a, there's a huge, and, and, you know, putting on prosecutor hat, yeah, there's a huge incentive <laughs> for that person to flee. Now, <laughs> right. right, you know, because he's wanted for murder, yeah. whether or not he did it or not. Not, not, not only that, but yeah. if he committed murder, he might not be the best neighbor. Yeah, right? and he I might mean, yeah, <laughs> might be willing to do it yeah, again. Yeah, I'm not know? finished. Right, right. And, and, and of course, and, and you know, and especially from, from my role, yeah, you presumed innocent. Like, understand that completely, but... The issue you run into is, you know, is it is a risk of flight? Is there a danger to the community? That's what, that's the first thing we're looking at with with a bond from the whole system is, you know, defense attorney, prosecutor, eventually judge, but the magistrate makes is the first person that's going to make that call, right? And and I can tell you, you know, if a magistrate's got a presumption against the bond, the magistrate's not giving it. because, again, magistrate's not a judge, right? Most of the time, not a lawyer, um, just a magistrate. He'd rather you know? let the judge make that decision, right? At, well, at especially on a presumption case, right. you know. Uh, and so then what would happen in the process, again, it's probable cause. So it's just, yeah, okay, I think Billy Bob did this, you know, and that's why he's, yeah. that's why we brought him in. And so yeah. Billy Bob, whether he did, didn't, maybe he knew something or heard something, you know, maybe that's why his name got brought up. Maybe it's because yeah. his ex-wife really wants to have yeah. him in trouble and said, yeah, he said all this, you know, whatever the case may be, he's arrested once that, once that magistrate gives that uh, detective the warrant. Now the detective can execute the warrant on Billy Bob, bring him in, and state in Virginia you're not going to make a plea. Really, what the arraignment's going to do is, hey, you're you're charged with murder, okay? It's up to life. <laughs> you know, if it's not capital, there's no death, but but you know you, you can go to jail for life. Um, what do you want to do about an attorney? You know, and so if if Billy Bob says I want to hire counsel, they're going to give him you know usually about two weeks to say all right, you know, look around. But they're not going to give him a bond right then right. because he doesn't have representation to have a bond hearing. And so uh, if he if he wants a, you know, if he qualifies for a public defender, then the court's going to give him a public defender. But uh, sometimes, in some jurisdictions, the public defender's in the room. But again, um, there's there's barriers to bond hearings immediately because if there's a victim involved or a victim's family involved, you know, the Commonwealth's going to want to notify them 
that, hey, he's seeking a bond. What's your position? You know, um, and, and so that's where that's where some, an innocent person can sit in jail. And believe it or not, people, innocent people do sit in jail. You know, just because they've been charged does not mean that they've committed the crime. And sometimes it takes a little while to get out. You know, not to scare people to death. Sure, no. but that's what happens. You know, sometimes it, it takes a moment until they've retained counsel and counsel's been able to set the bond hearing. Uh, and then, you know, fortunately, right now, just in the climate we're in with with the COVID, uh, yeah. uh, the courts are still listening to bond hearings. You know, they're still doing arraignments, but a lot of the other stuff is on hold right now, which is why I'm here today. Oh, right, <laughs> Cause, yeah, because yeah. yeah. I don't I don't have court, um, and so. You know, I've still got other work to do, but it's uh, but I'm not in a courtroom right. as I would usually be. And so, yeah, as soon as you can get that bond hearing set, though, which might be, you know, a few days, could be a week. You know, I've had some cases where you just the worst time to be arrested for a serious crime is uh, either Thanksgiving holiday, or, or Christmas. Right, right, yeah, right. You know, because then it's the course We're out not. for two weeks. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so it's like, all right, and when we do, we can only be you know, in this courtroom at this time, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. So uh, so that's the first time you really get brought in front of a, a judge. And again, everything, the only standard right now is probable cause. So I just want to, uh, I just want to note to our audience, there's no Billy Bob that we know of who's not un- that I'm aware of no. under consideration <laughs> for any crime right <laughs> not, now. So just in case, yeah. if there's a Billy Bob watching, not my client, we, we didn't yeah. mean anything about it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, but the other thing, if you're going to commit a crime, please don't use Thanksgiving or Christmas because right. it's going to be time. It's going to be way tougher. Yeah. Make so. sure you set your schedule we're, appropriately. We're bringing the things you care about right here, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Try to remember, right. you know, and it's not so much commit the crime then, it's not get arrested Right, in. right, yeah. yeah, you know? yeah so, good so, point. Good so point. try to set your arrest date, yeah. you know, down I the, could, I can yeah. imagine a lot of Thanksgiving dinners, you know, a lot of crimes are contemplated. Yeah, right, right you know. You know I'm, and, I'm, and so just keep that in the back of your head, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not now. <laughs> this is <laughs> what we call premeditation. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Maybe I should do this in January. Right. When, you know, you know. When, yeah. uh, when the court's got a little bit more open schedule. It moves you up, gets you a little more time that yeah. way too, right? Since yeah. you've been thinking about it. Right. right. So, yeah, good. But, good. I mean, that's that, that's the initial, That's the warrant comes from the magistrate, typically in state cases. Um, uh, it can come from the judge in, himself, you know, if, if um, uh, and that's sometimes like where you see wiretaps or something like that, you know, especially in a federal case. That, that's going to the actual judge. That's not going to. And, and, and here's the distinction that a lot of people don't realize in federal we, we use the term magistrate and magistrate judge, but that magistrate judge is a judge. Right. That is a judge that is has all the authority. <laughs> that guy right. has uh, proven himself as a lawyer for a number of years uh, or her, whoever uh, is the magistrate judge. That is different than a magistrate state yeah. uh, magistrate because that's not a judge. And and that's a little bit off. Like, I, you know, sometimes in my head, the easiest way to remember uh, is, you know, you, you do have um, in the trial system, you've got in, in state court in Virginia, you have general district judges and circuit court judges. And general district judges are judges. They just sit in general district court, and that's a court not of record. So right. there's no jury box. Right. You know, uh, there can be a court reporter, but usually it's because you've requested it. But uh, otherwise, it's, it's just off record. A lot of times we just we stand in front of the judge at the bench and make our arguments. Um, circuit court is where the jury box is, where there's a court reporter. It's a little... Uh, those those deal with a little bit more serious you know type offenses, um, and so in the federal system you have district judges, and those are the judges appointed by Congress that uh, that have lifetime appointments. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's another difference with the state system. The judges that you go in front of there are are appointed by Congress for life, um, and, or impeachment. Right, know, right. One of those, but they don't have a retirement age. They're they're there, and there's a good reason for it. You know, there's there's um, 
in a Federalist Papers have, have a very good argument yeah. for why it's good to have a, a lifetime, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, lifetime judge. They but that's be in the swayed system. by by the right. uh, you know that's common trends of the day. They get to exactly. uh, yeah. they get to look purely at the law. And yeah, and, the and, law. and 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 that there's very strong arguments and advantages for that. But the magistrate judge on the on the federal level uh, is usually the the district judges within that little um, their division that they sit in select uh, select the magistrate judge from a lawyer that's been practicing that knows something about because fe- federal's different than right. state. I mean the the rules are different, the procedures are different, um, even you know some of the terminologies are, are different, and so that that's a magistrate judge in the federal level that is. I equate it sort of, sort of like a general district judge with a lot more power. Right, right, <laughs> yeah, right. But, yeah. Uh, but but still, it's you know the robe is the robe, and 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 I've, I was always brought up to you know you respect the robe no matter what the decision is, even if you don't like the decision, you know just that's the decision, and and you pull back, and um, you know if you want to appeal it, there's avenues to do that, and but you, you don't you know get all upset or, or mad about right. something you know um, it's not it's not like sunday football right you, right yeah you, you know you, it's like, ah, you're you, know, right, you just right. you know, throw everything down this is ridiculous yeah, right yeah, right yeah. or a baseball guy right you can't run yeah. out and, you and know, start arguing with yeah, the umpire right. and start right. throwing bases and kicking right. dirt right. Yeah. right has yeah. different implications if that happens exactly <laughs> <laughs> and you know we're, we're making or at least i'm making light of some of the things this, these are all really serious topics and things that uh are are really significant when you're going through this. If somebody serves yeah. a warrant on you, you really right. are concerned about what's how it's what's developing. Yeah. yeah, you know, and, and you might want to see. Well, why is my, my why is my attorney not yelling at that? That judge right. got that wrong. Right. You know, that's completely wrong. It's like, well, hang on. <laughs> right. Let, let There's it, an avenue. Let it let it work out. Yeah. Yeah. You so know. so that that actually brings up another you know good point. Um, and you really should think about this when when you're hiring an attorney. I mean. Not all attorneys are are equal in their skills, That's, right? Yeah. Just just like doctors or or anything else. Mm-hmm. Some somebody uh, went to every class and really applied themselves, right. and somebody barely yeah, kind of got squeaked through, by, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Now the grades, by the way, I don't think are the things that really no, no, no. matter. You, right? I, I don't ask the attorney. Yeah, right. Hey, you, what was your I'm class gonna, rank? I'm yeah. gonna need to see no, your class rank before. How well is that guy doing right. in the practice right. of law? Right, yeah. right. right. Yeah. Because because you might have missed. Maybe you didn't really care about. No, you got uh, through. Uh, you know, some sort of contract law, but right. you're over here doing criminal law, and you're really focused on and that. You know, area. really what to look out for. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or, and you know, a lot of times too. You know, that's what I tell people is like, you're you're getting screwed here, or. No, you're not getting screwed here. This is this yeah. is that's an appropriate thing for, based upon what's up, what's being thrown at you. You know, and that's that's where you're looking for good counsel. Yeah, and that's the other part. You, you got to look at specialization and say this guy yeah. knows this piece, right? Right. I don't maybe get a guy who who specializes in criminal law to come and write my contract. Although there are some I mean, really you can. good general there, there, there are some that right. do that, but I mean, really, it just depends upon what your need are, and yeah. and, and then. But the other thing is too is how you interact with a person. Like any, I mean, it's relationships wise. So if you feel comfortable with yeah. this attorney who who maybe did your will, yeah, and you feel comfortable enough that he's done enough traffic or he knows enough, that's right. Traffic, you know, that's fine. Uh, Nick, constitutional rights are always it seems like being pushed and prodded by government mm-hmm. as they try well, to expand. Yeah, I, I you know, reach and, nature. and control, right? Yeah. So this year we had a significant shift in Virginia's political environment. Yes, we did. Um, as a result, there were 20 new gun laws that were proposed within mm-hmm. a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you familiar with those bills? Uh, to some extent, you know, they're, um, uh, when 
lawyers normally have updates, legislative updates that, that we try to attend. We also have publications that we try to keep up with. But at the same time, like right now is a perfect time for me to catch <laughs> right, up right, 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 because right. I'm not in the courtroom because that's that's the other thing. Is, right. Trial lawyers are in courtrooms a lot. Yeah. And so they're dealing with the law. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, you know, you hear like, you know, I'm like anybody else. I'm going to hear something on the news or I'm going to see something. But, you know, I take it always at face value because that's that's not that's not me reading the law. I want to hear it from the news. That's a journalist telling me what the journalist saw. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that the journalist is being biased one way or the other. You know, it just means that I'm getting a very condensed form of what the law is and I'm getting it from not a lawyer and I'm getting it from what he thinks is important. And right. if he does have an agenda, I'm getting it skewed towards whatever he right. or her is trying to put into that article. And so, uh, when I, I try to, maybe it's part of, of my training going through law school is everything I read. The first thing I'm trying to do is what is the writer trying to tell me? Right. You know, and, and then read it from that standpoint. And that, that goes for every side. You know, if, if, uh, uh, if I'm reading a conservative publication, I just say, all right, well, what is he trying to tell me? Yeah. You know, if I'm reading a liberal publication, well, what is he trying to tell me? It's it's just, it's always the same. I think, now it's just, I think it's a good thing for anyone to do is anytime you read anything or anytime you see a report, you're getting a very condensed version. The OJ trial, for yeah. example, none of us sat through all of that testimony. Right. We got snippets, you know, maybe somebody sat at home and watched court TV the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but you only got snippets and you only got parts of it. And so it's hard I think to make, I mean, you can certainly make a decision off of what you've seen, but you always have to keep it in your mind that you're making a decision off of what you've seen. Or if, you're, if it's going off, the one thing I can't stand as an attorney sometimes is when someone comes into the office and says, I can't believe they did X, Y, and Z. And it's like, well, you read one article. Right, right. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, well, I read this article, this right. mo- this op-ed yeah. this morning. And right, this and it what... didn't actually happen that way. Yeah. The, the the writer put it in a in a timeline that was out of yeah. out of sequence. And, you know, it, it actually didn't go down. You know, I'll read if I'm in a trial and, and it's being, you know, reported in the media. Yeah. Sometimes I'll read it. And I'll go, all right, well, that's pretty fair. That's how it happened. Uh, but then but then it's like, but there was, you know, eight hours of testimony. Yeah. <laughs> and so and it's condensed into, you know, and that's, some, and that's not the, again, sometimes, you know, they have restrictions. That, you, know, you, you can only write, you know, a, a certain size article. And so they have to. And so what you're, what you're getting, though, is you're getting the journalist's perspective of what that journalist thought was important yeah, that of course, day, of course. you know, and, and, and then maybe, maybe the journalist wasn't there in the morning when there was an explosive. Uh, yeah, <laughs> piece. Right, yeah. Right. You know? So, I mean, but, but that's, I think that's anything. And I, I think that goes back to your question though, you know, on the new laws that have come out now, I'm not 100% so you, so familiar with everything. So, you, I, I, yeah. so what we try to do is go back to the source document and read yeah, that's, it that's where you should start right? to say, yeah. okay, what, what are they, what are they suggesting? So, yeah. and, and I don't want to get into the politics of, of these rules or yeah. these, these proposed law changes, but, uh, these, these bills, um, but, and, and it's probably not fair to take you too far down them if you haven't read them, but, um, you know, different types of restrictions on, and and we were particularly interested in the firearms component because we, mm-hmm. we've got a couple of projects that we're, we're developing right now that relate to firearms. Uh, one of my businesses has a Class 10 uh, FFL. We're a destructive device yeah. manufacturer. So, yeah. um, and, and we do a lot of stuff for Hollywood. We build a lot of the... Uh, the guns and and fake guns that you see in movies, mm-hmm. uh, we build them here. So those those believe it or not were affected by a couple of those laws. Yeah, even, and that's where sometimes maybe the intent got ahead yeah. of really the the, the law. You e- know, even the emulation of a weapon, you know, mm-hmm. can can be and and in federal code actually, yeah, they've written that in because of children who were playing with guns. That's that's why that orange tip 
or red tape. Right, that became, you see on, yeah. right, yeah, yeah. You get to an inner city where there's a lot of gang violence or where there's a lot of potential but for But how are you going to do that on a movie set? Right, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you know? well, right. So, so they made exceptions, Yeah. Um, and the, those exceptions are, are you know, there's a way to do it right in in the federal in the federal code they make an exception mm-hmm. for it and in, in our uh proposed legislations in you know we didn't we didn't get down to that uh to that level to see how it was going to impact because it was actually going to force that part of the business to leave virginia there'd be no way really to operate yeah there. yeah and those are and and that again goes back into uh, and again, I'm not taking any political I understand. Side or yeah, anything sure. along those lines, but it just goes back to the unintended consequences of legislation. And that goes back to how much legislation do you need sometimes? Yeah. I mean, do you legislate uh, you should not break the law? You know, does that need to be a law? <laughs> well, well so, right. the, so that that was actually one of the questions I was going to ask. So as your time as a prosecutor, in, uh-huh. your, in your time as a prosecutor, um, did you ever did you ever deal with any uh, you know firearms or gun related oh, yeah. crime? Yeah, yeah, I, I had to because of the uh, uh, position I was in. I was on I was on the violent crime. No, team. no, no. Understand, yeah. understand. And, and so dealt with a lot of that. But but that's that's where prosecutors can have a big impact. Also, even even if you're just a, a, a new assistant, you know, Commonwealth attorney, uh, you, you know, it's a lot that you you'll see in Virginia at least back in oh eight oh nine yeah yeah oh seven. Uh, concealed weapons, you know, you still see a lot of those. Yeah, but you know, but but that's where reasonableness needs to come into play, you know, and that's that's where I think a good attorney <laughs> does try to see a big picture. Yeah, you know, and so if I'm a prosecutor, uh, and and you know, and I can understand, you know, um, certain, I guess, policies offices might have on, you know, gun violence, and 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 it can be completely appropriate, you know, on the some hand, but th- but then there's other hands or. Or, or maybe there might be a specific in, uh, instance where it's it's just not not a bad guy, <laughs> right? That, that accidentally, you know, he got pulled over for speeding. You know, yep. gosh, how many people do I represent for that? You know, from from everywhere. You know, uh, got pulled over for speeding. Had a firearm. Had a firearm. It was underneath something. Um, you know, and and honestly, I mean, that's that's a concealed weapon. You know, didn't have a permit. Okay. Told the officer. Now I've seen, and I, I will say this: that's also good law enforcement. Also, is I've seen officers before on on camera, you know, because they've had mm-hmm. most nowadays. We yeah, have yeah, yeah, right. maybe not back in 07, 08 when I was prosecuted. But uh, but I know some officers that you know, if you get pulled over, and and you got a firearm and it's and it is concealed just because you didn't think about it or because a book was put over top of it or something. Yeah. Um. That you know, if you tell the officer, hey, I got a firearm right here, then some officers are like, okay. All right. Well, where's it at? Let me go get it. Okay, and they're not going to charge you, right? You know, because that starts right there. That's the first person that uh, that would have that option. Um, but then you get, you know, sometimes officers will charge that, you know. And I, I I had a circumstance years ago where I think the guy was pulled over for something like speeding or or tag or something, and uh, the officer asked for a registration, and the guy goes in and gets the registration and everything, and he's giving it to him, and then he puts it down. Well, when he puts it down, he puts it on top of the firearm, you know, and so. It's, it's it was innocent conduct, you know, at least I thought, you know, where um, and the officer didn't notice until he goes to now he's searching through something or, or he's going through and then he sees there's a firearm underneath the uh, underneath something. Right. Well, it was sort of the officer was asking you to do this. You did it as you were addressing him. I mean, there's a lot going right, on. Right. Right. Um, especially if you've never been pulled over before, if you've only been pulled over a few times. That can be every time. Every time can be uncomfortable exactly. for some people. Yeah, right? yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, especially if you don't interact with yeah. police officers all the time. You know, so uh, 
so yeah, that happens. And so then that goes back from a prosecutor standpoint. Do I need to prosecute this? <laughs> you know? Right. Is this really something is, is we this, want to get into the business? Is this of? a real violation or, you know, uh, and then, you know, and, and it's not faulting any prosecutor at all. Some of them could say, well, that's not my call to make. That's the judge's call to make. Right. You know, some of them could look at it and say, what do you want to do, defense attorney? You know, can can we? There's ways to to try to work something out, mitigate it. Yeah, yeah right. You know, um, you know, you can look at a record, and then you know, and then maybe as a defense attorney, maybe I'm having my guy do something extra. You yeah. know, just before we go into court, just say, look, this is not a case you need to hammer he, this guy. He over. went and got his concealed carry. Permit. Yeah, you know, he's right. got that now. I mean, is it really a big deal? I mean, look at the camera. You know, yeah. come on. You know, can't you see it right there? You know, and and, and that becomes back into the position of too. All right, do I want to try it? Do I want to risk? Because that's an, that's the thing a client needs to right. ultimately make that decision. But I'm going to tell him, say, look, I got an offer from the Commonwealth attorney. He's going to get rid of it after you do, you know, X, Y, and Z. Right. And, and then we're all done. Or, you know, there's there's some sort of agreement that we've got. You can take it. You're going to have to do a little bit more. Uh, or we're going to reduce to something. Um, or we can take it in front of the judge, which is fine. If you want to make that decision, we can do that. I can argue this either way. I feel confident in what I do. Uh, but I don't know what the judge is going to do. Even though I've gone to that judge you know, right. a hundred thousand times, some you know the judge might go one way, might go the other. Are, are you able? I mean, is it common or customary for you to have any any conversations with the judge and the Commonwealth attorney together, so that you kind of get a feel you for can, how this is going to go? Before? No, not not like a sort of dry run or something. Yeah, that that would yeah, be inappropriate. Yeah. Okay, um, but if I need to, so. Um, First off, you know, just you're going to have conversations with judges, mm-hmm. okay? About just I've got friends that are judges, right? At a cocktail you know, I'm just, party, I'm going to yeah, run into a judge. You right? know, I'm, I'm going to you know call one, talk them to a phone. It, but we're not going. We never talk about a case mm-hmm. that that I know that would ever be in front of that judge, um, because that would be ex parte. Uh-huh. That would be the defense counsel talking to a judge about a case. That's a big no no. And and trust me, it's not something I want to be in, and it's not something the judges the judge I know wants would to be ever in. want to be in. And you don't even want to put them in that situation because right. I always have this conscious like I don't even want to mention something that might be because I don't want to ever put right. you know that person in that situation. But um, but you can have a meeting, you know, and sometimes it's necessary, you know, ahead of trial for Commonwealth attorney and defense attorney to go to judges' chambers and say, hey, we've got an issue. Um, we've got uh, the jail has a problem locating this. We, we I think I'm trying to remember exactly how this happened one time but it was it was something to do with the jail records and not being able to get the jail records because the commonwealth had a witness that was going to testify against my guy that this guy had made a confession in the jail but i was having a hard time getting proof of whether or not they were in the same jail ever right and and so that's what we were kind of going after and so it was appropriate for us to go to the judge and say we're having a difficult time with this we also have an issue with timing because we're supposed to go to trial tomorrow <laughs> right, right? and we don't think we're going to be able to get you know and it's not no one caused this situation it was just one of those things that happened and so that's where that's where it's appropriate to talk to the judge ahead of time got because it. you got to remember that you're going to get ready to bring 70 people in for right. a jury panel do you really want to disrupt yeah are we are we going to yeah right? we're going to bring them in when we don't think we're going to be able to go forward you know and so that's that's when it's appropriate for a conversation to take place in judges chambers yeah. but, but it's because both sides are there and and in and in the circumstance it was very reasonable attorneys and, yeah. and a very reasonable judge that were all like, all right, well, let's figure out, you know, what's that's 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 how justice can can work. It's the wheels of justice working is when is when that those type of things happen. You know, it didn't I didn't have to you, you didn't have to have it into the courtroom at that point because it was really trying to trying to get it get it right for the benefit of everyone involved. Right. And so uh, so yeah, there's there's times when that can happen. But it I don't think it happens all the time. 
uh, that, that that's sort of when the circumstance kind of comes up and, and you got to address it. And that's where you got to make these gut decisions sometimes. <laughs> or it's like, all right, I think, let me call the prosecutor. Let me, let me call judges chambers. Let's see if we can get in there real quick. You know, or is it, man, do I sit on it and not say anything? Do I, do I bring it up tomorrow? You know, or is, or is that the right thing to do? Some, you know? some sort of sensible. Yeah. So, right. It, it's, it's, it, but that, that goes back to making that decision on yeah. is this guy is this guy a really bad guy that really broke the law? You know, like right. You, you deal with that constantly. This love is so much gray. Oh <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I and I think you know what we started to talk about is just that our freedoms mm-hmm. are constantly under assault, and and yeah. while while these little laws sound like they fix something, you know, there's one in particular. Uh, and I'll just mention it. You know, there's we, we've come to this uh, one handgun a month purchase yeah. deal. So I can't really, and and I don't want you to comment on it, but I, I can I can just say from my point of view, I can't really understand how that makes us safer. Right. Right. There, yeah. Right. If I still get one handgun still, a month, I can get twelve a year. If I'm going to do something bad. R- right. And is is was that law going to prevent me from doing something bad? Right. And if I wanted to use twelve handguns, do I just wait till I've only got two hands. But yeah, yeah but you know, uh, yeah, there's <laughs> a lot. Yeah. You've reduced you've yeah. reduced commerce. You've reduced opportunities for uh-huh. companies that live in Virginia yeah. and operate in Virginia to do business. You've reduced the ability for people to to have collections other than yeah. Than twelve, uh, you know, so so it's just strange that sometimes I think from the best intentions. Well, that's where we, we go. Yeah, we we get laws that are, you know, I think that would make us safer. Fewer guns on the street would make us safer. Yeah, but then I go back to your time as a prosecutor. Every single one of those people who committed, you know, heinous, violent crimes, were breaking the law to begin with. That's right? true. Yeah. So th- a lot of those firearms were not purchased right legally uh, or 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 uh, being held by someone who has a legal right to have them to begin with right yeah um so so you run into those sorts of issues and that and that, that erosion yeah not all the time bro if you want to get the coolest shades go to threatworks man these are custom ceramic coated oakley's any design you want it can be blue waves it can be camo you can be as chic and cool in the battlefield as you are on the dance floor. And hey, listen, since nobody's on the dance floor right now, this is a chance for you to get your COVID-19 proof glasses. So, you know, one of the things we're trying to protect ourselves from is the spittle and the uh, airborne particulates that might come out. With a good pair of Oakleys protected with the Threatworks Cerakote, you'll have that. So check us out. Call us at Threatworks. If you need a little laser engraving, we do that too. There's some really fine customized action here. Cut in, lots of different patterns that we do. They put in logos, they put in customization, they can put your name, you know, to to the president, we can put in something that says you're fired. These could be things you give out to people when you're firing them from the staff. So just take a look, notice there's no action. You can get that too. All right, hey, check out ThreatWorks. They're our best sponsor. Think about our country a hundred years ago, mm-hmm. and and the number of laws that we. I, if if I were right, king for yeah. a day, I would have a deal well, that hey, for every law you write, you got to take one. We got to take book. one off. Yeah, right? We just don't need. Yeah. We don't need those books. I've I've seen law libraries, mm-hmm. and I think yeah, we just just snacks. we just we just need to make it easier because I yeah. believe that almost every person in the United States could be found guilty of a crime 
if you really if, put if your somebody time wants to and effort it. into trying to find something, yep. yeah, you know, there's 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 a lot of validity to that. Um, uh, and, and that goes back to you know sometimes where people say, well, you know, let them search because I didn't do anything wrong. Like, well, well, yeah, well, right. Maybe <laughs> look at this law uh, might, from might be, 1796. Yeah, we, we right? might be able to find something in some code somewhere. Yeah, yeah. You know, but 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 it, again, the the flip side to that though is that it's not always ill-intentioned people trying to legislate something to take something away from you. Neither, you know, sometimes it's done with a with a very, you know, we got to address this problem. How yeah. do we address it? Yeah. All right, you know, and then and then and sometimes too, and it, it could fall back on the court to try to correct, or yeah. or maybe not correct. I don't think that's the right term. It, it'll fall back on the court to flesh out, you know, because yeah. again, I go back to that. I don't think many judges are trying because I hear that legislate from the bench. I don't see a lot of that. My in my personal they're experience. trying to clean up some really fuzzy. Yeah, it's more wording. of like trying to flesh this out, you yeah. know, like uh, you know, was did, is this really. What do you mean? Yeah. Right. right. What is this? Right. right. Like I understand the intent behind what you're trying to do, but you completely violate yeah, 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 you know, yeah. this part. You know? And so, so those yeah. second, third, fourth order effects that that always come back and, and tend to have, you know, exponential impact on the population. All right, guys. I hope you didn't waste your time today. I hope you've enjoyed this show. Listen, remember to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Be sure to visit us on YouTube and like us on YouTube. Click below. Click below and like us. It's tough out here for conservative content. You know they're always trying to throw us way out into the algorithm so that nobody hears about us. You can make that difference. Click like and fight with us.